Within the last 20 years, night and day prayer has exploded across the earth unlike any other time in history. Churches and groups from all over are awakening to the necessity of having sustained time in prayer, worship, and devotion to Jesus. In churches, small rooms, and large rooms, homes, and even semi-trailers, there are many different expressions, and in some places, whole communities that have given themselves to the activity of night and day prayer and worship. Jesus is captivating people from all over, different walks of life, some giving up their jobs in the workplace for the sole purpose. He is placing a burning desire for them to spend their lives staring into his glorious face. But why is this happening and where is it going? How do we fit into the storyline? What does it look like and where is it happening in the nation of Canada? It's these questions and many more that we hope to wrestle with. This is the Burning Rooms Podcast. Burning Rooms podcast. This is going to be a bi-weekly podcast that, where we can connect with the prayer movement in Canada, have conversations, and share stories, and strengthen your corporate and personal prayer life. My name is Johan Heinrichs. And I'm Brian Nystater. So what do we mean when we say burning room? In order to answer that question, I want to read you portions of a couple of dreams that a Canadian man named Kale Mumby had back in 2014. You can find a link in the show notes to the full text of the dreams. Kale is a friend of our house of prayer. He's also a strong prophetic voice in Canada and a number of nations around the world as well. So here it goes. In February 16th, 2014, I was taken many years into the future. I was sitting at a large table which was surrounded by young leaders of the body of Christ. They are all asking me, in my old age, for the stories of how the Great Awakening had started which had swept the earth. These were all leaders in what was the greatest revival the world had ever seen. I was an older man and looked at these young leaders with kindness and began to tell the story of how the global revival began. How did the revival start, they asked me. We asked because the world is on fire. It began with the burning ones, I told this group. Young men and women would gather together in burning rooms and they began to call out for the fire of God. Houses of prayer and worship were springing up all over the globe and they were known for their fire. They were known as burning rooms, full of burning ones, crying out day and night for the fire of God to sweep the planet. The second dream was from two days later, February 18th. As I went to bed, I was inquiring of the Lord about Canada, and asked him if there was anything I needed to be aware of in the nation. That night I received a dream. I was brought above a map of Canada, and watched as pins began to fall in specific locations across the nation. As these pins fell, I heard the voice of the Lord speak. These are strategic locations which are being set up to burn with the fire of God. These are strategic burning rooms. These burning rooms will help set off global awakening and national revival. So, Johan, this prophecy makes mention of these burning rooms being strategic for coming revival. What has the Lord spoken to your heart about these burning rooms? Yeah, I remember when I was 15 or 16, it was one of the most intense dreams I can remember having in my life. So, in the dream, 
there was a packed stadium stretch before me. I I had like a bird eyes view looking down and the crowd was relatively quiet. They weren't really there for any particular purpose in the dream. They were just going about doing their own thing. So then I zoomed in and I found myself standing on the field and a band came up in the middle of the field and they started to sing worship songs while all these people were just standing around doing their own thing. And it was obvious they weren't there to entertain the people, but they were there just to worship Jesus. But the crowd seemed to be ignoring them completely. And I was standing on the stage when suddenly I started to shake under the power of God. I stepped onto the stage and walked to the microphone that the worship leader was using. And in the middle of the song, I called everybody to repent and turn to God. And I felt a rumble under, under my feet. The whole stadium began to shake like it was an earthquake. And every, everything started shaking. And many people fell on their faces, crying out to God in the midst of this worship time. And when I woke from the dream, I was sweating and I was trembling. And although it wasn't, I wasn't actually at, at a revival, it felt like I just came from that stadium. And I felt the trembling in my spirit like I came from a revival. I, was, I actually encountered a revival in that dream. And I knew what it felt like to be in a real revival in that type of experience. And revival in my heart happened and, and I understood what that meant. I just feel like the dream was emphasizing that what took place was was in the midst of a nameless and faceless generation that just wanted to get together and seek the Lord and worship Him. That's wild. I love that. It's interesting when um, a few years ago I was at a at a church in, in Brandon and we heard Kale Mumby and he was t- actually telling us his dream in person. And, and I'll be honest, because I'd actually read about his dreams maybe a year or so beforehand. It was kind of going around and so I'd I'd read it and... I'll just be honest, I've heard a lot of words about revival, and it seems like everyone has a revival word about revival, this global awakening, that, and so it was like, it was good, but it didn't really move my heart that much, and uh, so we were in the middle of this conference, and he's teaching on, I don't even remember what he was teaching on, but then he just started telling us a story about these dreams, and he he wasn't trying to work up the crowd or anything, he was just telling them very matter-of-factly, and in the middle of his testimony, the power of the Holy Spirit just fell in a room of 200 people, and it was crazy. People were shouting, people were crying, the presence of the Lord was moving, and, and, and all I know for myself is that as he was telling, telling us these stories, uh, the presence of the Lord came on me, and I just started weeping. And I, I felt like this surge of emotion that was going, coursing through my bodies, and, and, I, and I heard this phrase, I'm going to light Winkler on fire. And Winkler's my hometown, a small town of maybe about 13,000 people. And when I heard that phrase, just kind of my, that it wasn't a still small voice, it was on the inside, but it, it was real. It went right through me. And then it came again, I'm going to light Winkler on fire. And again, I'm going to light Winkler on fire. And every time a surge of emotion, and I'm just weeping and just crying and being gripped by this reality. And I, I knew in that moment, this is the word of the Lord. This is absolutely the Lord's heart, that he is raising up prayer rooms all across our nation and all across the nations of the earth because it's on his heart to release revival. Yeah, I was I was in the room and I felt the same thing. Like when he spoke that word, everybody started crying out and I, like I had tears. I felt the presence of the Lord on. Like we are built for this. And, and I think we all took that very personally. And we were running with this word because this is for us. Yeah, absolutely. So what does it actually mean to be burning? Or a burning one. 
to me, being a burning one, you must be a people that, that have been before God, like in Ezekiel, in his presence. Do you have more to add to that? Do you, do you have a better explanation? The way I always love to explain it is I absolutely love Ezekiel chapter 1. And at the end of Ezekiel chapter 1, uh, it, the whole thing is Ezekiel is taken up to this incredible vision and, and encounter with the Lord. And at the end of it, the kind of the climax is he sees someone seated on a throne in, in heaven, high above and high and lifted up, and his appearance is like fire, and he's burning on the throne. And we know why God is burning in this encounter that he had, because Scripture says that our God is an all-consuming fire. But the piece that's always fascinated me is the four living creatures before that are also described as appearing like torches of fire. And and a while ago, I just started thinking about this. And the question I had is, why are these living creatures burning? And we know why the one seated on the throne is burning. We got a Bible verse for it, that our God is an all-consuming fire. And so I kind of just made up this fun little term that I, I love to tell people about. You're never going to find it in a theological textbook. But the term is this, spontaneous angelic combustion. I just love using this term because it's, it's kind of my, my theory kind of is this, is that as they just get before the one who's an all-consuming fire, they start to burn. And a, a better scriptural example of that is Moses, when he spends 40 days in the presence of the Lord, his face starts to glow with the glory of the Lord from being in his presence. That's, in my mind, what it means to be a burning one. It's not about how pumped up you get, how emotional you get. I love getting pumped up. I love getting emotional. But I believe burning for God just means getting so close to him that the very fire that is around his throne gets on us and our hearts start to burn in love for this one. So to me, it's all about getting close to him. That's so good. Actually, my next question was going to be about which scriptural references are there. We don't want to just take these prophetic words and base our theology on prophetic words for revival, but can you think of any other really key passages that we can really grab a hold of and say, you know what, these passages say that revival is, revival in the burning rooms, this is actually scriptural, this is real. Yeah, Malachi 1.11 talks about how um, in every nation this incense is going to arise before the throne of God, and it's the Lord prophesying it, that this pure offering of worship is going to arise before his throne, and I really believe this passage is talking about a global movement of worship, that this Worship is going to arise from every tongue, tribe, and nation around the throne. But I also think about other Bible verses like 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I'm going to hear from heaven and I'm going to heal their land. Or I think about Joel chapter 2, which talks about the, the mercy of God when his people turn to him wholeheartedness. And I actually find throughout scripture, we just see many different examples of the Lord promising making a promise to us that if we seek him, if we turn from sin and cry out to him, he will send revival. I mean, you're saying before, everybody has their words about revival. It's, it seems like in every city, every town, God's going to come with revival. And, and to a degree, we know that that's true because there's going to be a worldwide revival that's going to happen. But how do you keep it fresh in front of you? Like when you're praying the same thing week after week, over and over, how do you keep that fresh and, and wanting to continue praying that when it's maybe 10, 15 years and you're still not seeing it? I think for me personally, um, I, I love the prophetic when it comes to um, energizing me in intercession, but the prophetic is the prophetic, and, and sometimes people miss the mark when they're trying to hear God's voice. So I love that I have a Bible verse, and for me, Acts 2, 17 to 21 is right up there in one of the top ones that I have where, um, where 
Peter's actually quoting from Joel 2, and he says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit in all flesh, and your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show signs in the heavens above, wonders on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke, and the sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I believe that this verse is a promise of a coming global revival. Most of what, ha- of what is prophesied in that verse, signs in the heavens, wonders on the earth, blood and fire and bills of, smo- of smoke, none of that happened in Acts chapter 2. None of it happened on the day of Pentecost. It's clearly referring to the end of the age in that time period shortly before Jesus comes back. And, and I believe this passage is yet to reach its full fulfillment. And so this passage helps to anchor me. I have a scriptural promise for his revival coming. And then I use encounters that I've had with the Lord, the, the prophetic encounters, the dreams or whatever, just to help encourage me along the way. So good. Yeah. How about you? Well, for me, it's kind of this similar. I mean, you do go through the dips, times where it's really hard and, and, and you do forget about the promises for revival. And it's like, oh, I prayed for this so much and nothing's happening. And it can get discouraging. And I think that's the Lord just making us reach again and, and reach for those promises that he's spoken over us. But for me personally, I try to remember those promises. I, I read through my prophetic history journals and I read through the dreams that he's given me in the past and, and that always ignites my heart because that's why the Lord gives us those things, I believe. And, and one of the key things actually is knowing that God actually wants it more than I want it. And when I can declare that he wants it, it's so much easier to keep praying for it because we, we're praying what's already on his heart and we're just agreeing with him, right? So, Yeah, I, I love that insight that you just said that God wants it more than we want it. Could you share even a few more of your thoughts about that? God is so committed to fulfilling his promises more than we are. I think back to an encounter I had a f- several weeks ago, actually. It was like, I, I like people. I don't love people as much as the Lord does. So I was driving on the way to our house of prayer on a Monday evening. I'm driving fine. Everything's good. And then all of a sudden, this, this person cuts me off. and almost, Like, I almost hit them because they cut me off. And normally in this situation, I would drive up beside them. And for some reason, we tend to do this. We look at the person as if it's going to do something. Like we look at the car next door. I don't understand why we do that. Yeah. But Do you realize what you've done? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I go through the motions and that's what I do. I, I pull into the other lane because I don't want to be stuck behind this slow person that just cut me off. So I drive up beside them and I, I look into the vehicle next door and there's this lady and all of a sudden my heart explodes with love and like, I love this person. I'm staring at them and I start crying and I start laughing at the same time. Like, you are so awesome. You don't know how God feels about you. Like, he loves you so much. And, and like, I can't talk to them because their window's closed. But I'm having this encounter with the Lord and I'm feeling, God, is this how you feel about everyone? Like, you have thoughts about people like, th- like this intense and this deep? Like even people that cut you off and people that that hurt your feelings, like you have intense love for them still. And then I, I keep driving and I'm, I'm looking at other vehicles beside me and their windows and it's the same thing, explosion of love in my heart. And I don't know where it's coming from. Like, God, this feels so good. I Like I can never come up with this myself. And then I see this one girl walking in the shadows. She looked like she was sad and 
and I'm, oh, I wish I can just get out and give you a hug. That would be weird. But if I got out and give you and just tell you what the Lord feels about you and how he wants to encounter your heart and the big love and heart he has for you. And I was just encountering the Lord and it kind of went on for a few hours in shop and people were wondering what's going on with me. I don't often feel like the Holy Spirit like that very often being filled with the Spirit and just filled with that joy and intense emotion of Jesus. But it was happening for me that night for sure. Yeah, I love that. It was it was such a cool night. I just remember you coming to the prayer room right after that. But but even summarizing some of the stuff we've been talking about, I what I love about this idea about the burning rooms is that it's not our idea. This idea even of of people gathering together to worship the Lord or to pray together for revival. This this concept of the burning rooms, it's it's just not our idea. It's something that is burning on the heart of the Lord and he's doing it in the nations of the earth right now. And so I I just love that we get a have a small little part in this massive flame that is the passion of God for a lost and broken world. Yeah, so we explain what burning rooms means to us and what the burning ones are. Uh, so for those listening, we're really looking to connect the houses of prayer and praying communities and people that just want to start permies. We want to give them a place where they can have the conversations, where they can ask the questions, like connect with us online, that sort of thing, and and maybe have guests from different praying communities and get their perspectives on things. We we just want to see prayer strengthened in Canada with this podcast. I think that's a heart behind this, because there's really not much out there. There's a lot in the States, but Canada's a little bit different. We just do things a little bit differently here, and and I think we need to have a voice. We need to have many voices coming on this podcast to, to share their heart and what's going on in their region. Yeah, and I think for myself, what I want to, I think our, our listeners to know is, um, is you're not alone in what you're doing. Because I know from 10 years of being involved in the prayer movement myself that there are just times and seasons where it just, it feels weak, it, fear, it feels small, you kind of feel like you're you're all alone in the midst of what you're doing, and sometimes you just wonder, like, like is this even worth it? And the reality is, yeah, yeah, it is worth it, but sometimes you just need to connect with some other people. And so that's what we want this podcast to be. We want this to be a, a place where you can listen to it and understand you're not alone. you got brothers and sisters all across our nation who are going after the Lord, too, and it, it all sometimes at times feels weak, it all sometimes feels hard, but we are in this together. And so we want to encourage you, as, our, as we roll out podcasts in the, in the coming weeks and months, to, to comment and interact with us. Ask us questions. Send us an email. Send us a comment on our Facebook page. We'd love to interact more with you guys as this goes along. You're not alone in this, and I'm just so excited for where the Lord wants to take us together on this journey. Yeah, and let us know. Maybe, maybe you have something. Maybe you're a leader of a house of prayer, and you want to share something on the podcast, or or just be part of our round table. Like we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to have that voice along with us. So as we wrap up this week's show, we're going to have a segment called Jessica's Tips to Stay Engaged in Prayer. <laughs> Okay, this is going to be a segment that we do every single episode with our dear friend, Jessica. Thanks for having me, Johan. (laughs) I'm excited to be here, guys, giving you practical tips on how to stay engaged in prayer. Um, This week's tip, tip number one, it's super simple. It's going to sound super elementary, but also necessary to bring up. And that is when you're in the place of prayer, 
turn off your phone. Throw it on do not disturb. Turn it off completely if you have to. Again, this sounds so simple, but the thing about our lives is that we live in that place where the spiritual and the practical meet. And I feel like that's what this is about. It's that I often would keep my phone beside me thinking, oh, this isn't going to distract me too much. And I'd walk away from time in the prayer room going, wow, my brain was half distracted all night because I was thinking about that message that I saw and it left me half engaged with the Lord, which is never what I want. So I have to, for myself, actually set boundaries, actually walk in going, I'm not turning my my phone on for the next two hours. I have to do that ahead of time because if not, I know my default isn't to easily go five hours without checking my phone. Um, when we're in the place of prayer, our focus is on the Lord. He, he has stuff for us even past the point where we get bored. Maybe we're trying to engage and it's hard and we're trying to even just listen to his voice and we're not feeling like we're hearing anything. Our natural tendency is going to be, I want to distract myself. I want to feed myself something because I don't feel like I'm maybe even getting anything right now. But I want to challenge you guys to stay connected to the Lord. Sit there in that place of maybe uncomfortable tension and see what the Lord brings out of it. Sometimes he gives us stuff so easily and sometimes we get to grow our hearts in patience Uh, just in that place of waiting. And I don't want you guys, I don't want myself to be robbed of any of those blessings that could come our way in that place of waiting. We're going to be in heaven one day, guys. We're going to see Jesus and we're going to see his beauty and fullness. And I want to grasp that. I want to find those treasures here and now on the earth. And I don't want to live my life. I don't want to live my prayer life half distracted and half engaged. I want to be fully chasing after God and all of who he is and throwing off all of other distraction to get that. So would you guys join me in that? Your practical step this week is limit your time on your phone. That might look different for different people, but at the end of the day, put some strong boundaries up. Um, And then let us know how that worked for you guys if you found a difference. And just growing in that discipline will hopefully really help you engage with the Lord in prayer. I love it. It's such a good reminder. Thanks so much for being part of the, the show, and I look forward to your future segments. So thank you so much for joining us on our first on our first podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, like please give us a share on Facebook. I think on Facebook we're at Burning Rooms and on Twitter we're the Burning Rooms. Sorry, I couldn't get the two. Uh, we'd love to connect with our listeners, join the conversation, like give comments, share the page, share the podcast. We'd love to connect with you. And there's show notes that you can find links uh, for and other information on the webcast. So that can be found on our website at burningrooms.ca. Again, that's burningrooms.ca. And I hope you'll tune in in two weeks and we might have a few surprises in between episodes now and then. But we really want to hear from you. Please give us feedback and we want you involved in future episodes. And please come back in two weeks. This has been the Burning Wounds Podcast, and until next time, may God cause you to burn brighter. Burning Wounds.